When we share our stories, something magical happens. We magnify the power and the purpose that our stories contain. I'm Amanda Solar, the host of Soulful Connections. Come on this journey with me and let's connect. Connection. Okay, so a quick scroll through social media lets me know that people are super annoyed by a resolve toward enhanced wellness at the beginning of a new year. But come on, don't a lot of us do that? Don't a lot of us take this opportunity to say, I'm going to make this my best year? And part of that involves being healthier. I think it's totally perfect that I have with me for the first episode of 2023, the third season of Soulful Connections, Kira Kramen, owner of A Well-Fed Life. And she's here to share her story and also some tips toward wellness. And guess what though, guys? Her first tip might surprise you. It's not what you think. So listen in. Okay. So welcome. Um, I am here with Kira Kramen. And you are board certified. You have a company called A Well-Fed Life. And Kira, can you share what, what is that? What is A Well-Fed Life? What is, what is it that you do? Okay. I love to answer this question. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yes, my official title per the credentials that I have is National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach long, long and tongue twisty, but um, it's um, it's a fairly new certification. I had to pass a board, you know, exam that is, is offered by and sponsored by the National Board of Medical Examiners. So that's who um, oh, that's great. certifies doctors and nurses. So it's, it's pretty, we're really excited about having that as a designation. Um, so a health and wellness coach, it, it, I mean, we've been around for a while, but it's not been very um, standardized or credentialed. And so now it is. Um, and for me, being a health and wellness coach, and the reason I got into it was, uh, I really feel like it's the missing link between traditional medical care, and even alternative sort of functional medicine care, and the, the patient. Um, it's that link where um, we can help people um, with lifestyle change um, as slow as, as necessary, in my opinion, but, um, you know, helping people eat better, move better, sleep better, and manage stress better. So those are like the four pillars. Um, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. And so a well-fed life is just my, the, the name of my business where I do group and one-on-one and -on -one health and wellness coaching. And is that, you know, what was your journey to this, to having this company? Why, what was your, what motivated you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a degree in psychology, which I 
had an idea of what I wanted to do with that. And that was, didn't um, happen. I wanted to be an art therapist because I'm an artist oh. and I'm really interested in people and how, how we tick. And, um, and I, so I majored in that and I did an internship and an independent study and all kinds of stuff. And by the time I graduated, I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I realized that my art was for me and that art therapy was a, for a lot of reasons one of which being I would need a master's degree and I didn't have the money. So, um, so I, I decided to, you know, still use my psych degree and, but do something that would pay. And so I, I had a 10 year corporate career in human resources. Um, and then, but all the while, you know, super interested in how people tick and, um, my favorite part of my HR job was always, you know, helping people get the most out of their medical benefits or, um, you know, just that helping role. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really love my career in HR, but but I loved parts of it. Um, right. I had kids and I left the workplace for a few years to be with them. And when I was ready to go back, I was like, well, I don't want to do HR. What am I going to do? <laughs> and yeah. during that time, I had made some personal changes with my health and wellness, um, particularly like managing a, a, a desire to eat a lot of sugar and, and things that weren't so healthy um, and some stress management things. And I was really also got really interested in our food system and, and how it works that or doesn't work for us. Um, and I actually have some resources to share on that, but um, I started watching, well, I'll just share it now. I started watching movies like Food Inc. Um, and food chains, which is about um, our labor labor force and, and that produces our food, um, and all kinds of things like that. Um, so I started learning about our food system. I was doing my own journey. I was also involved with the Doylestown Food Co-op, which was trying to, um, you know, promote or educate and promote the purchase of local food, locally sustainably grown food. Um, so I, you know, all that mushing together in my brain, um, I came up with health education as, oh, I'm going to be a health educator. So I, I, that's when I started working for the, um, Southeastern Pennsylvania Tobacco Control Project, doing smoking cessation and prevention, youth prevention and different things. And I really liked that. I really loved teaching. I do love teaching. I still love it. Um, but I, I kind of, as those few years went on and I, I was getting more and more into the food and the nutrition and the um, my own journey, um, I realized that I really wanted to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with people as well, because I saw some people did fine in a group and were able to quit smoking or whatever, whatever I was teaching, um, but some people weren't. So that's when I pursued the, the health coaching credentials. And I studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and then I went on to get the board certification. So it's really been a journey, a personal journey, aligning with the professional journey. Yeah. I mean, that really sounds like it. It's so interesting. You've, you've brought up so many questions for me. One question uh, that pops into my head when you said some people don't do well in a group setting and they do better one-on-one, -on -one, it occurred to me that's probably because there is just such an element 
of shame attached to our eating. I think it's a really interesting thing that it's so connected. And I think a lot of us, you know, you used to talk about that presentation. Why do we do what we do when we know what we know? So we know we're not supposed to, you know, sit on the couch eating Cheetos, <laughs> for example. Um, but yet we sometimes do. And why? And then you feel, I think we feel a shame attached to that. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about people um, and the emotion the emotional baggage that food carries for them. Mm, awesome question. That's that's kind of where where the um, where I'm starting to center my practice. Okay. Um, is yeah, yes, using substances to manage stress or releasing the use of substances to manage stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as I as I've been doing the why do we eat what we eat when we know what we know over and over again and learning from you know, I learned as much from y'all as you hopefully learned from me. And, um, you know, that, that workshop kind of, um, focuses in on what the barriers are, what the, the challenges are to doing the things we know we should be doing. Um, you know, and, and one of the challenges, I think one of the biggest challenges, I mean, yes, there's time management and, you know, feeling too busy and family's not supportive and, you know, all yes. those things are so valid. But at the end of the day, it's really that heart-centered emotional piece where we we have all these emotions and thoughts and limiting beliefs and, and physical manifestations of, of our what I call stress that send us running for um, sugar and Chardonnay mm -hmm. and multiple trips to Marshalls every week just pushing the cart around, buying things yeah. you don't need. Um, like I, I'm just tapping into a lot of my, what I do and what I hear other people do. Of course, smoking and, and vaping is, sure. is big for, for people um, and other other drug use. Um, so so I've, I went, went ahead and like studied mindfulness, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, and, and I've studied other modalities. I'm really getting into studying the mind-body connection um, and realizing that that our body holds so much of, of our, our trauma and our emotion and our mm -hmm. limiting belief. If we can find where in our body it, it lives, we can release it. But, you know, well, I think that's interesting you, too. Yeah. Um, so there's a um one of my favorite books is called The Body Keeps the Score. I should have wrote that up. I, it's well, downstairs. let me tell you, I must have to read this book because everybody keeps bringing it up to me. The Body Keeps uh, yeah. the Score. Uh huh. Yep. That yeah. That's how, how I ended up reading it. So yeah. So but I went to a workshop with him up at the Kripalu Center. Oh. Uh, last spring and just learned a lot about. He's, he focuses on trauma and how we hold trauma in our body. And it doesn't have to be, you know, capital T trauma, you know, of abuse or, or whatever. It can be, you know, the smaller traumas too, but mm -hmm. they, we hold them, they live. Um, yeah. And so we, often we try to um, think them away or, you know, that's sort of a little bit of what our traditional therapy modalities yes. are about. And it's, that's important. It's necessary to, to you know 
intellectually get to the bottom of where the trauma comes from and that kind of thing, but to really release it, it has to come in from the body. Yes. Um, and so, you know, when going back to um, why do we, you know, eat sugar and smoke to, to relieve stress, it's, it's largely because we, we have all these things that we're holding and they're really uncomfortable. Um, and it's just feels easier to, to numb them out. Mm. That's really well put. That's, that's a, such a good point. Um, so it's new year. It's a new year. And a lot of people out there, their resolution involves food. <laughs> you know, I think every year people start talking about what they're going to do and what their diet is going to be like and how they're going, which it's a great marker for change. I think it's a great point but yeah it is also ripe with a lot of failure or feelings of failure do you have any advice for somebody who says okay it is a new year i am going to start being healthier is there a first step that you can think or something they should think about yeah awesome question i love that um How do I start this? I know exactly what I want to say. I just want to say mm -hmm. it well. Um, so one of the core tenants, the core tenant of health coaching is to meet people where they're at. You can't have somebody who eats donuts for breakfast and um, Burger King for lunch and pizza for dinner neck the next day eat whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, I do. And then they wipe so out all friends? donuts and all burgers. And, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, What's what's really coming up for me, and, and it's really coming loud this this new year, is to just meet ourselves where we're at. Just be wherever you're at right now with the absolute most compassion and no judgment that you can muster up and, and work on compassion and no judgment. Um, that's that's the, the mindfulness practice is being mindfully aware of where whatever our thoughts feelings and how it's showing up physically in us um, with compassion, curiosity, and no judgment. Nice. So like, how can we, how can we make change if we don't even know what we're changing? Um, so my ad advice and, and coaches aren't really there to give advice. They're there to um, listen deeply um, and help people know that like we all have that really deep wisdom inside of us. We just don't listen to it. <laughs> like, right, I mean, right. But it's there. We all have it. Um, I'm so convinced. I, I didn't used to believe that, but now I really, really do. But we just, you know, numb out <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or, or trauma overtakes the deep wisdom. There's, you know, um, but if we can really get still and breathe and hear what our heart is saying, hear what our body is telling us, hear what our mind is saying. Hello. <laughs> I love that. Um, and a cat just walked by. <laughs> and a cat just walked by. How amazing. He wants to be part of the things. <laughs> it's always fun to Zoom with people who have cats because that happens. Yeah. It's very cute. Yes, they do. They want to be involved. Yeah. But yeah, like just to start with gentleness in this new year of, hey, you know, 
I'm here. Here's what I'm seeing about that I don't, you know, think is serving me with my wellness. Mm. Whether it's yeah. food or sleep or, you know, what is it? Just just observing and noticing and and and, and here's the thing. Don't judge it, don't judge it, don't judge it, because that's what we do. We go, oh, I'm really eating a lot of sugar. Bad, bad. You know you shouldn't eat sugar. Why are you doing that? Why did you pour that wine again when you said you wouldn't? You know, oh my God, it's five o'clock. You didn't exercise, you know, thr <laughs> throttle, throttle, throttle. Right. But like the more we throttle, the less we're likely to do what we need to do to actually make the change. Beautiful thought. You're so right. I mean, actually, now you're making me think that the if you want people to sit and realize what it is they're doing, because you kind of have to know where you're at before you can move forward. But if there's such a huge feeling of shame or embarrassment or guilt or self-recrimination, then you're not likely to sit and watch and observe your actual patterns of behavior. So it becomes kind of perpetual, perhaps. Um, oh, no, that's a really good point. That's yeah. a, so Kira, what does um a day like look like for you? Like what kinds of foods do you eat, enjoy? What do you do for your own health? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so one of the things I do with clients, the first thing I do with clients, and of course I've done it myself, is we, we create a vision statement for ourselves. And there's, you know, a bunch of questions that, that I have people kind of answer to, to think through and bring up what has worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked. But basically it's how do you see a really good day for yourself? Um, and so when I did it for myself, that my vision statement is to have calm, creative energy so I can connect with others, um, feel competent and find as much joy as possible. Um, and so everything I do, and of course, I say everything I do, but I'm as imperfect as the rest of us, but everything I try to do to, is to meet that vision. So if I want to be calm, I can't eat a whole lot of, or drink a whole lot of coffee. So I, 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 those who know me know I'm obsessed with coffee. I love coffee. <laughs> so I'm drinking right this minute. Oh, I love it. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> but this, this is half-calf. It's I, it's my one cup of half calf that I'll have, um, and I. It's a beautiful I, mug, may I just say. Oh, isn't that pretty? The, that pretty. was the other thing I did. I got rid of all the silly like logo mugs and started yes. buying handmade, beautiful. locally handmade, nice mugs. Um, so uh, yeah, so I I really reduced the caffeine. Um, I personally do intermittent fasting because I have. Uh, <laughs> my best sure ever. tons of people out there have high cholesterol that is you know pervasive it's pervasive um for me i've done some extensive testing and it's 100 percent genetic my body yeah. just absorbs cholesterol like a house on fire mm. and i've been resistant to taking medication so i um do intermittent fasting which has brought my and my, my good cholesterol is really, really good. Um, my triglycerides are really low, which is really good. It's that bad, that LDL cholesterol. Interesting. Just, yeah. It's just yeah. genetic. Just genetic. Um, 
And the intermittent fasting brought it down like 30 points to where it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's good. And, and I do take also red yeast rice, which is um, uh, sort of a natural statin. Um, so I intermittent fast. I don't eat until about 11, 1130. So I get at least a 12 hour fast in. I shoot for 14 hours. Um, so then I'll have um, brunch, I guess, at 11.30, around 11.30. And I try, so my eating is I'm an omnivore. I'll eat everything. Um, I, except I, I really, I don't eat pork anymore. Um, and I rarely, rarely, rarely eat beef. So I stick to the lean protein, the chicken and fish um, and plant-based proteins. Um, good fats, avocado and flax and nuts and um, and then lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of vegetables. And that's what I really try to promote for people is to really up your veggies um, because that plant-based kind of a diet is we know, we just know there's ample evidence that that is a best practice. Um, and not to say no meat, but mostly plants. I yeah. love so the guy that got me into all this is Michael Pollan um, with his omnivores dilemma and his indefensive food and his, his little slogan, and it's not little, it's big is um, uh, eat food, not that much, mostly plants. So, so yeah. it's eat yeah. food, whole food, not processed, fake chemical food, but real food. Not that much, you know, watch your portions, mostly plants. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, so I eat like that mostly, but I, you know, I certainly ate a lot of sugar over this break. Um, I'm, I'm now in my January sugar detox. Um, so I try to watch the sugar. I try to, I, I don't eat, um, I eat only organic, um, free range, whatever chicken, um, or if I'm once in a blue moon, eat beef, it's only that. And, and because it's expensive, I don't eat as much of it, but I do, I do feel like I, I need a little animal protein, but, um, you don't have to, but whatever yeah. you're doing, it's high quality food. That's, that's the key. Whatever yeah. your keto, vegan, vegetarian, it's all just focus on the quality as best you can. Then I try to move as much as I, you know, I do a little yoga, I do a little of this. I work at a horse farm, so I'm doing a lot of movement there. Nice. Um, I have arthritis in my knees, so I can't really do my Zumba class anymore, but I, I'll just turn on music and dance. Um, so I try to make, I have to say COVID has really helped me with the movement thing to let go of, I have to work out for an hour or mm -hmm. I have to belong to a gym. Um, it's now like I, you fit it in when you can, but try to get that, you know, 30 to 45 minutes every day of something, yeah. um, freely prioritize sleep, super, super prioritize sleep. And then just working on the stress, the stress piece with meditation. I meditate every day. Just if I can only do five or 10 minutes, that's what I do. If I can do more, that's what I do. I, uh, before I get out of bed, I write five things in my gratitude journal that happened in the last 24 hours. Um, and it's usually just tiny little things, but it really sets my, my frame. Cause I can be, I can be a glass half empty kind of person, something I really work on. 
I have a lot of things <laughs> that I really work on. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great point what you're saying, because I do think you've you've developed systems. I think sometimes we all decide to do things in our lives, but we don't create a system or a ritual or a practice. And if you're just kind of going with the flow, you know, our tendency is probably to do what is easiest or what feels the best in the moment. So I think what you're describing too is a very intentional. Now my dog is like, hello. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, So yes, very heavy on the animals in this house. But, um, but anyway, I I do think, (laughs) I don't know why I'm so appealing to her right now. But I do, I do think I, I love what you're saying. I love those practices because I do think that we're all, we all can go negative. It's easy to do it. We, we can do what, like I said, it feels right in the moment and you're creating your world, you know, you're creating practices. Um, and that's the perfect word too, because it's all, you know, it's like learning a new sport or a, a new instrument. We have to practice or it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. 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 Or we practice. And meditation is like that, too. I, as, as I work with people, I, and many people say, I can't meditate. I keep, you know, getting lost in my thoughts. And, and I'm like, that's, that's part of meditation is noticing the thoughts and letting them go. And then coming back to the breath and then noticing the thoughts and letting them go. Coming back, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, a hundred percent. Those when you meditate and you have those thoughts, I've been taught that you're releasing the toxins. It's okay to have those thoughts and then let them go. You're reducing and releasing your stress and your toxicity in that moment. So you know it's kind of like dreaming, where you release the stress through your dreams. Yes. Um, so I think that's actually a productive part of meditation that people don't realize they think oh no i have to do away with this but you don't that's part of that's part of it it's it's it is it 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 really is it it's it's bringing into awareness you know back to the mindfulness how do we become aware meditation is part of it now we you you know we don't want to um attach to the thoughts right absolutely one of that's part of it is letting them go but one one really helpful meditation practice is called labeling so where you when you notice a thought coming in or a whatever a thought i guess or or an emotion you give it a quick label like mine some of mine are oh i'm scene writing like i'll be creating a scene in my head Mm. of of a conversation i want to have or yes a better way of having a conversation that I did have or, and I've labeled it scene writing. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We all sure. seen right. That's I love that description. Um, you talked about, I want to get back to this because you touched upon it. And it's so fascinating to me. Um, your art. Mm-hmm. I, what place you're an artist, right? Yes. And what place does that have in your life? What role does that have in your life? Yeah, this is a, I'm, so I'm noticing like a um, heightening of, of a little bit of adrenaline when you ask that question. So see, I, that's like, no, okay. Hmm, I see. Uh-huh. Noticing that. Okay. Um, 
I, I minored in fine art in college and, and even in high school, it was as many art classes as I could. And um, repeatedly throughout my life, I have made the decision to keep it um, for me, for fun, for enjoyment, for stress relief. Um, I have a few times have ventured to put my art in a show and it just never felt good. And it's probably because my ego took over and and said, well, you know, you didn't sell anything. So right. that's one of my new things is is taking a look at the ego and, and yes. sort of releasing some of that. Yeah. But um, art is um, art for me gets me in, in, in the flow, as they say. So mm -hmm. when I'm painting, I'm, I mostly do um, oil work in oils. Um, I do a little bit of uh, clay work as well, but um, mostly the oils and it just like nothing matters. Nothing matters. I'm just, just doing my thing. And yeah. um, oh, it's just so stress relieving and um, it's just be a beautiful thing. And, and I have my art all over my home and a lot of my friends and family have pieces that I did. Um, but it's, it's that that creative part of me, and I have other ways I express my creativity too. Because because painting re does require energy and time. Oh and yeah, so I, discipline. I, discipline, and I often let that part of me go for for other things, mm -hmm. um, and and that's just how it is. There's no judgment for that. You know, a hundred percent. When I'm, maybe when I'm retired and and whatnot, I will have more time, and then it'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. But for now, it's just it's enjoyment and pleasure and um and bringing pleasure to other people. Yeah, it's you know. so. In, I, I I always find people, especially people who do visual art, it's really fascinating to me. I don't I don't do visual art. I don't even look at things and say, oh, I would like to paint that because <laughs> I. I have people who do that and I don't, um, but I do appreciate other people's artistry. Um, and I'm always curious about where, what need that fulfills. And if you are an artist and you're inclined toward art and you don't do it, how does that show up? And, you know, all of it, it's just, I, I just find that a fascinating topic. It is. You it know? Is. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when I have the answer. Cause yeah, it is let me know. I'm Come back on. <laughs> yes. We'll I suspect that. in this moment, I suspect that it's, you know, there's something in me that's, that's sort of, um, I'm giving my power as a creative away yes. to other things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, I can't yeah. That makes sense. And also I think that you, you know, you can, it reminds me, I have a friend, Irv Hall, who, you know, you know him probably, he got, and he garnered a medal, an Olympic medal in track and field, but he doesn't run because he doesn't know how to run casually. He only knows how to run full steam ahead. And at this point in his life, it would just kill him. <laughs> so it's just interesting um, the, the way these things that we do, and even the things that we're good at, sometimes need to take a back seat or sometimes we need to reduce our, our time. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Um, what about where do you go 
for inspiration? What inspires you? Oh, um, well, that's easy. Um, I am a nature girl through and through. I would rather be outside at any given time. Um, I can't wait to get outside today because it's going to be six in the 60s. Um, I'm a massive, huge. I mean, if you ask me what my absolute favorite hobby is, it's gardening. Uh, and that's part of why, you know, I, I have so many things going on that I don't always get to the easel. But um, yeah, nature but that's is... an art in and of itself, honestly, gardening. So true, true. It's fulfilling that. That's interesting, Kira, because I know your brother casually and he's very connected to the earth and nature is that how you grew up did you grow up with that being at the forefront of your lives or is it just did you all go camping or great question yeah um we did not go camping my parents are not campers <laughs> um but both <laughs> both both my brother and I have taken it up um in our you know adulthood um huh. What we did get from our childhood is is the gardening and the being outside and growing things. And um, I grew up on a mostly on a farm, um, small farm. No, 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 I had a horse, but we didn't really have animals per se. But um, lots of gardening. So you know, we were and and you, you know, when we when we were kids, we went outside <laughs> and played all day. And it's the, true. <laughs> I feel bad for kids today. Yeah. The missed opportunity because nature is, uh, you know, so many people in our sort of general generation see nature as their, their temple. Yeah. Um, and I sure do. Um, so any chance I get, I, I get inspiration from even just sitting on my porch and looking at the trees or, you know, going for a walk somewhere and really trying to breathe it in too, not just walking, but breathing in. And, and and this is where some of the art artist artistry collab you know um, connects because I will see a tree and want to paint it or yes. a and want to paint it. Um, yep. So um, yeah. so if you could you know just make everybody do one thing or know one thing, and it could be connected to your business, but it doesn't have to be. Um, what would it be? Again, I know my answer. I'm just putting it together sure. um, in, in a way that's, I don't want to sound um, cliche, but I really, really believe this. Um, you have to, you have to love yourself. Yeah. Um, you have to love yourself with, all the compassion and lack of judgment and acceptance for, you know, your, your, whatever you want to call them, flaws, challenges, character defects. Um, and that's it. Um, because once you do that from that, from that base, all is possible. That's really beautiful. And, and well, it's I not feel a like concept. And it's, it's not, not what it's not a new concept. It's not a new concept, but I think it's it's a somehow it's a it's more challenging than it should be, right? I think that um, that love and acceptance for ourselves can really propel us toward 
living whatever self-actualization um ultimately but it is tricky <laughs> it's yeah. tricky you know it's a it's it's tricky it's it requires even being aware that you don't love yourself that's right that's right that yeah it's it's very interesting concept like a lot of things when you you hear them they you say of course of course i love myself but you know what does that mean and what does that look like and all of that it's just that would be a great new year's goal for people if they could yeah. say you know in 2023 i'm going to learn to deeply love myself yes and in 2024 it, would be, look really good probably it would look a lot different in a good way yeah and so 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 maybe what the one thing i think would be helpful at least it helped me for whatever that's worth um is the judgment piece is yes being training yourself to notice when you're beating yourself up and and let that go and let yes. that go let it go let it go notice and let it go notice and don't judge yourself for judging yourself because that's what happens too we we notice oh, oh my gosh on. that's such a good point kira <laughs> it's <laughs> brutal yes. yes we were i was just having a talk with a girlfriend and we were saying we i heard a podcast and the person said you know what all moms should stop um, putting the pressure on themselves at the holidays. And, oh. and I thought, well, now you've just given me one more pressure <laughs> because I don't know how to stop putting the pressure on myself. At the you know, we want everybody to be so happy. And so then you ultimately feel like, oh, now I feel like I shouldn't. Or like they said, you know, just your presence is enough. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's really, you know, what I sometimes do for myself is I say, if I hear myself saying something that is negative to myself, I'll say, would you say that to your child or to, you know, to whomever it is that you love the most, start just emulating the way you are with them to yourself, treat yourself like your own child. That's so a good practice. Help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing you can do is when you notice that you're judging yourself is take a minute and feel where you feel that in your body. Oh, that's good. Because it, mm -hmm. it'll probably show up in the same place. You know, for me, it's t a tight chest. Mm -hmm. And so then, then we, we learn over time as we're, you know, going about our day and we go, Oh, my chest feels tight. Ooh, I have been beating myself up all afternoon. The body keeps the score. Yes. The body keeps the score before the brain gets it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, but yeah, there's a lot of different ways that we can work on, on reducing judgment, but um, if we can reduce it, it's huge. Well, I appreciate all that you've shared, Kira. I really do. I, I feel inspired to work on my own self-love and I can't wait to share this podcast because I actually think it will help people to take stock. You know, I think that I really, I hadn't even thought about that before our conversation because I start thinking, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's all about doing. I'm going to move forward in this way. And 
your concept of, okay, wait, stop for a second and realize where you are. You know, if you were traveling somewhere, you would say, well, I want to get there, but where am I? I have to start. You know, your roadmap has to start. It doesn't just, you don't exist there. Yeah. <laughs> you have to start somewhere. Right, right. So, right. And starting, you know, realistically of, of where you're at with no judgment. With yeah. no judgment. I love it. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you're able to connect the dots between your story and the one you just heard. If you like this podcast, please consider giving it a great rating and subscribe and send any thoughts, any ideas for topics, any types of guests you want to hear from to me at amanda at soulfulliving.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-I-V-I-N-G. Hey, and listen, if you know a great guest you want to introduce me to, like Oprah, just saying, I'm totally up for it. Finally, I would love to ask you to give a rousing round of applause to William Aronson, who wrote, produced, and performed the Soulful Connections theme song. Thank you, Bill. And thank you.